Welcome to Political Point of View on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. In this program, we talk with politicians of all types, of all sorts, from local government through to central government, and including aspiring candidates. Sit back and enjoy. Hello listeners, today is another day of a political point of view with Graham Priest, today's guest, Penny Gaylor, Greater Wellington Regional Councillor. Now, Penny, there's a new year ticked over once again, which seems to happen every year. Oh, just like clockwork. So, yeah, so what's new in the programme for this year? Ah, oh, well, okay, so we had big long-term plan stuff last year, the, the big thing Let's let's pull it. Of course, it was COVID, and um, what is just feels like every day. You're just in a state of preparedness now for change. That's the kind of the the new way we have to live as councillors and as a council, and that's in all sorts of ways. Whether it's running a bus system that has to adapt to oh some new rules got announced that have to come in by midnight or whatever, or whether it's um, you know we got a, a very lengthy email this morning in my email feed from our chief our newish chief executive Nigel Corrie who took on the job in September, um, explaining about how at the current alerts level um, what this means for staff and. This this is the information that they're giving them, but then preparing them for the next level. So just all sorts of things are constantly going on for us. Um, and then, of course, this is an election year in local government. So uh, 8th, yes, of o- that. 8th of October, just like clockwork, every three years, um, a non-general election for parliament year, because that'll be next year again. Um, yeah, so local government elections this year. So what we're, you know... Uh, Four. What's that? Six months away. It is. Yeah. Won't be. Won't be long. It'll be five months away, and and so forth. So, um, you know, I guess that's when you start to reflect on. Gosh, what's the, what's the two and a half years to date look like, and and um, how have things progressed in terms of what we'd hoped to achieve as a council, um, and of course everybody goes in as individuals, um, and and you know you start to reflect on. Well, what did I? You know, what did I set out to achieve and, and how's that tracking? So, you know, this is the kind of, I can think that's, you know, having done a few of these elections now, that's what that summer period's about. And you're kind of going, right, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm prepared to do it again. Am I? Yes, I am. Um, and, um, you know, in these, these COVID times, it's, you know, it, it's another, uh, loading on us. And because, you know, just when you hope everything was coming right with the books, um, you know, and then you get, uh, frights with, you know, having to pay for, um, you know, lower fare intake, um, from our buses and trying to find how we balance the books as best we can and drawing on our reserves. So, you know, we, we have another annual plan process, uh, coming up very shortly. Um, aside from, you know, uh, it, it's actually a pretty going to be a pretty low key annual plan. Uh, we won't be looking to um, need to be changing much because actually, when we did our long term plan last year, we were you know already a year into the COVID environment and we had seen how we needed to be agile with um, the, the our expectation around what kind of fears um, we can bring in as we go up and down these different alert levels and in and out of lockdowns or or whatever and, and our customage. Um, you know, reduced because of that. Um, 
but then again, I'm putting in a budget bid, uh, this annual plan, for some more flooding for a very localised matter around Tohoro flooding and the work uh, that we have done as a regional council on the Mangoni stream. Um, there was flooding between the 6th and 8th of December and um, we've had a public meeting Oh, just the last two, three weeks with that community where about 60 people turned up and um, in a very managed um, COVID times uh, public meeting. And, um, you know, good opportunity because these sorts of things are quite rare these days. Good opportunity to listen to people and hear from them about the kind of um, experiences that they had and what they saw as the issues and, and getting a handle around you know some very and, and some differing opinions about what was needed uh, in terms of the action to kind of get some assurance and, and some resolution there. So, regional council and KCDC working very closely on that actually because we've both got a bit of the skin of the game. While we're the stream, the uh, anyone who's been down to the Tohoro Beach set of settlement, you'll see that the road to that settlement is right beside the Mangoni stream. I don't know of any other stream or waterway in our region that actually has the ro- the main road to a whole community that close to uh, a stream that is these days very prone to flooding. One of the problems of course is getting consents to dredge the, the thing in the lower reach. Yes and so um, that's what we was very timely to have that meeting with the community a because also we've got a resource consent process renewal process that's coming up for that stream that we are hoping between now and June of this year to have kind of nutted out and and have um, hopefully in hand and approved. Um, But we were able to ask the community is going, well, um, you know, as we develop, well, when we develop that and submit that resource consent application, uh, people can make submissions onto it. And we really, really want the Tohoro community to kind of gather themselves, organise themselves, and um, make a uh, community submission to support or, or to counter or whatever, to, you know, put it out there um, into that process. So we're working now really closely with them. I had another meeting just a few days ago with um, the leader of the the um, the public meeting that we had, we've got um, a number of meetings lined up already between KCDC and regional council, and then I'll be having a meeting with um, the kind of those community leaders um, to kind of report back and, and give them some sort of update on w- what the specific dates and the timeline will be for that community to have a submission ready. So you're not expecting a huge protest meeting. <laughs> Well, it might be. I mean, that, that's the beauty of the submission process. If they actually, um, rather than, you know, that those sort of things can um, actually just happen and, and communities not kind of gather up and gather together um, and actually um, submit into the process, that's probably pretty common. So mm. it was in some ways, you know, fortuitous that um, the, the flooding happened, that it brought the community and brought their minds together about... Um, you know the, the, what they needed to be doing and stuff. And, oh, you know, we've we've explained what um, you know the process is, and and if we could get them involved, we'd like it. Great. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything actually concrete came out of the big cab fest in Glasgow recently to for the regional council to have to implement? No. No. Not that I'm aware of. Somebody so, might correct me and say, oh, that was da-da-da-da. But the things we've been doing is because we've chosen to do them anyway. 
So basically it was an expensive generation of a lot of hot air. Mm, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know anybody who was there personally. Um, but, you know, well, didn't, didn't, it hasn't same, changed my life today, <laughs> all the I've stuff we're the considering. question of a number of MPs and yeah, a, yeah. a number of councillors, and the answer is a big fat zero yeah. at this point in time. Well, you know, like Apart I said... James, yeah. James managed to have a bit of a speech. Oh, OK. Um, so... You know, as I say, when we come into council and we have across our three-year term, that middle bit is where we've spent um, the first half of our term gearing up to our long-term plan. And while previous long-term plans at regional council had us in a direction, what we, um, this term's council, has accelerated um, the speed at which we are going to get to where we want to get, but also there is, uh, there, is, there is a clearer resolve and a kind of a more openness about, yep, no, we're, we're all good to go on this. And it's um, re- regardless of where people around regional council sit on that political pers- um, spectrum, and, and councils never sit on a parliamentary political spectrum. Um, it's more of a left to right and regardless if you're on the right, you can be just as environmentally um, committed as those on the left. Um, I find the difference is perhaps your motivations or the sense you see of it or the rationale or, or whatever. So um, I, you know, we've got a very um, cohesive council, which is brilliant, because then actually you're much better to work with people um, than to work f- in a sense of working against one another. So we have a sense of working together for what is a, a common goal, not but not necessarily common rationale. That's cool. Mm, possibly the Wellington City Council could take a note of how they, it works. We know we have a public gallery. They could join any time they want. <laughs> we, um, you know, I just, you know, the, gosh, I've, and I've been on councils where it's, not like that at all. Um, and you know what? You don't get stuff done. It's Nothing just happens. the honest truth of it. You don't get stuff done. You and I, you know, look, I'll be blunt, sharing sharing the tales that I'll I'll say to anybody in a private conversation and I'll say in this um with this audience is that, you know, when I had done two terms on KCDC in that last term, I was like, Wow, you 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 move off from that and I got onto regional council and you start to reflect on wow why does my headspace and my time in my day feel freer and um, you know just less negative because actually you end up spending so much of your mental energy consumed by the the po- the negative politics of it less and less of your um, mental time is spent on um exploring and thinking clearly about the solutions and what you'd try, actually just genuinely trying to achieve there. So it's tough when you're in those kind of environments, but also you just don't get stuff done. No, it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the bus service in Wellington. Uh, You've gone on record saying that there was a, in December, there was a 98.4% reliable reliability in turning up. Where did they get that figure? Uh, so our MetLink services collect the data of um, 
a lot more data than I think than we used to, probably because you know it, it's available now. Processing it and putting it up on the MetLink website. So any, you know, I've written um, recently in a column um, in a newspaper about that. Uh, that was information that. Um, was actually drawn from what was on the MetLink website. So anybody can go and kind of have a bit of a, a deep dive and a bit of a glimpse themselves too. So, And we'll be putting that up regularly. Well, my observation of being a fairly regular bus user, although not recently in Wellington, is that that's a figment of imagination. Well, it won't be made up from anything other than... Um, Buses passing particular points on the route and matching that to when they were supposed to be passing that that point on the route, whether their start time in some sort of middle part of it or some sort of end time of it. And it wouldn't also be my daughter's right yeah. um, experience where yeah. frequently buses simply don't turn up, uh, or if they do turn up. They don't turn up where they're supposed to, and services are missing. And it's—I just frankly can't believe it. Yeah. And the same with punctuality. I think they're figments of somebody's imagination. Well, yeah, I mean, and it is always hard to match people's experiences. But all I'm saying is that that is the da- the raw data that is presented to us as councillors. Mm. But it's also I have, taken. I have a strong feeling. Taken those from those figures are massaged. Well, I, it's a case of uh, if you've got bad news, sugar coated. However, yeah. let's not go there. But I, 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 my experience and my daughter's experience is totally different from those sort of figures. Now let's get on to the train services generally they're very good and we uh, want more of them now <laughs> yeah and the trains are comfortable and they're clean and they're, and they're quick but why on earth is there that hideous stoppage over the holiday period and each holiday weekend and frequently during the nights um, and those stoppages are for Kiwi Rail, who own the rail. Yes, the, I understand the, that. The, the, the rails um, to actually do their maintenance work. So, but for God's sake, it's been going on yeah. for years and years and years. Do they ever have any finish inside? Well, I guess it's maintenance work. So, it's um, unless there's work that is deemed new works, it's maintenance work, which. Um, like you're servicing your car and checking your tyres and your wheel alignment, um, critical part for the safety. And also remember, you know, we have had some very big weather events that have um, shut down the rail services because of damage around and and right over, you know, slips right onto the lines. So um, yeah, I, I we think those are things that you yeah. can't no, you can't plan for, no, and it, no. it just happens. Absolutely, but um, you know the planned maintenance is, of course, you know sensibly done at what is deemed to be um, the most convenient time. Doesn't mean it's it's convenient. It just means it's the least inconvenient time to get the maintenance work done um, on the the rail. So, you know, we can't have them. It'd be far far worse to have them doing during the daytime of our peak working week 
um, the peaks of our working week. Yeah, I totally there. agree with that. But yeah. they managed to do the London Underground and the New York Underground and yeah. and the Australian rail systems. It's all done at night. So why on earth can't it happen here? Why does it have to totally close? Yeah, well, that would get somebody in from Kiwi Rail and ask them and ask them to explain yeah, I know, their imaginations. They... No, no, we 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 don't command them. Let's be no. really clear about it. we can't command them. We we buy uh, rent we rent uh, time off them for running our trains on their infrastructure. So, you know, we can um, have some influence, but we absolutely do not, you know, control, the, control them. We're, we're not a controlling organisation of Kiwi Rail. They're independent. We as a customer, essentially, um, can be pitching and influencing or, or pleading, um, but we don't actually fully and formally control them. Well, when this maintenance work is being done, the freight trains still roll. Well, I mean, I'm, we're not in charge of, we don't have freight trains on our public transport service. Yes, so. I realise that, but they, they yeah. use the same lines. Yeah. And the yeah. same. Yeah. It, it just eludes me. I, I, I simply can't understand the reason. But, yeah, and I mean, I don't know the specifics of why it takes them so long to do a stretch um, but it does and I guess they're accountable to other political masters who would look at them you know should be looking at them to see if that's actually yes they should reasonable. be but they don't Could, well next time you have one of your local MPs in here do, you, do they come in and chat a local it's, MP have we got any yes we have well they won't front okay However, we managed to get national MPs and ACT MPs and Green MPs, but we don't get Labour MPs. However, that's of their doing, not mine. Yeah, it's their call. They're very busy people, and I'm not quite sure what they're busy doing, but you never see any effect from it. Um, the trains are still not issuing gold tickets sometimes. Um, I've had two experiences recently where it hasn't happened. Right. So yeah. how do you get your figures if you're not issuing a ticket? Um, well, if you'd like, you know, if that happens to somebody, feel free to like let me know or let Mit Metlink know. Because um, yeah, it's worth two bucks a ride for you, isn't it? Um, well, it's the the count here. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. But you do get a fee for it. Yes, we get a, we get a share of so it. So you're yeah. losing revenue. Yeah. Well, no, that, yeah, yeah. Dive in there and call us. Or not call us, or email us or something. Hmm. For a period it was terrible. Yeah. Then for a period it got quite good. But yeah. recently our groups had two trips and, um, well, that's two return trips, of course. And on two of those trips... There weren't any tickets issued. Um, when are we going to have a, a an integrated ticketing system? Oh, very soon. Very soon. <laughs> well, we've actually been, it's been tried. very soon for a long time. I know. Well, no, not yeah, yeah. It's never been actually very soon. It's been it's in it's in a couple of years, or it, it's always been a couple of years away because 
but that's been for years. So, uh, one of my colleagues, Prue Lamerson, who's been on regional council, I think this will be her 15th year, um, and she said that for her entire time that's what's been talked about. It's phenomenal. So what's the problem? Yeah, and then every time they go to do, like nearly get there or find somebody to do it, um, te- they keep saying that then technology moves along. Well, but then we say, but it's happening well, some, everywhere else. But so at what, some point you've yeah. got to say, well, this is the technology we're going to yeah. run with and let's yeah. do it. So what we have done that. So what's why we have moved, um, expanded the use of our snapper card from what it was on our buses and we've been trialling for the last wee while um, the use of the snapper card on the Johnsonville uh, train line. How did that work? Brilliantly. Can I say that off the top of my head the number that I was uh, was shared with us at the transport committee about two three weeks ago was something like between, it was definitely between 70 or 80 percent uptake on using the snapper card. So um, we have um, agreed as a council that we will um, be extending the, the use of snapper and focus on that for the time being. So we'll be, announcements will be pending um, and I'll say good news announcements for the Kapiti Coast will be def- pending very soon about a rollouts of that happening. Well, the snapper initially with the buses was a shambles, but all the bugs have been worked out and it works brilliantly. Yeah, well, and I'll tell you what, I've, so I'll pull out my, I've got one of my, I'm rustling in, my listeners, I'm rustling in my uh, wallet here and I'll, just, there's the sound oh, of the no, not, not a woman's purse, <laughs> dear oh, God. God. Oh my goodness, we'll put that away. Um, and here's my snapper card. And um, it's funny, actually, a funny little story is that a few weeks ago I was, I was catching the, the bus and I was about to catch it back from where we were on Cuba Street back to the Wellington train station to then to catch the train back up here. And I said, oh, I didn't have any money. And my colleague Ken Laban, and I, probably people of you watch a bit of uh, sports on Sky TV will also know Ken as a, um, a seasoned sports commentator, a uh, heart of gold man. And he said, oh, Penny, um, I've got a spare snapper card. And he always catches the train and the bus from where he lives out in Wainui Amata. So I went, oh, oh, Ken, thank you. And he said, oh, no, you have you, have, you keep my second one. Um, I said, oh, well, you know, you and I are getting off down to the train station. Will there be enough money on it? Went, oh, yeah, yeah. There's about $100 on there. I went, oh, Ken, that's very generous, Ken. Okay, so I hop on. And then as you're tapping off, you're getting off the bus and you kind of, you, so you tap on as you get on and then you tap off as you get off so you can stop your journey and stop paying. And then I look at how much is left. I said, Ken, it's $9. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still generous. It was very generous, and it was because it was one of those things. I, you know, I had kept meaning to do it to actually get the proper snapper card, and now I've got it. I feel like, oh, job done, nice and organised. And, and you're I, saving money, and I, I'm saving money, and I can just get myself a bit organised next payday, and I'll pop a bit more on there, ready for but, next time I need it. But what you have to do is make sure that you do tap off. Because yes. otherwise you get billed for the whole yes. journey. I get a bit, you know, and because you, there is that thing of um, when you're hopping off, you go, oh, "I've got to get off," you know. But no, 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 you got to tap and get off. Yeah, yeah. Some other um, cities that I've visited have had free transport in this in the CBD. Has um, 
regional council considered that? Uh, no. For what reason? Well, because it's not free for us, and we would have to. How would we? We need to get a lot of money to provide that service. So currently, that when you're paying, when you're using a Snapper card, um, you know you're paying a percentage around about fifty percent. Um, of the price of actually having that bus um, pick you up and drop you off. Um, the other 50% is covered through our, our quarter, about a quarter of it, through our general rates that we you know, rate the whole of the Wellington region and draw that money from people, um, regardless of whether you're a user or not, it's about the public good. And then the other quarter approximately is from central government, from Waka Katahi um, and their... Um, their, their, their subsidy or fees or whatever we call it, the fares um, that they, they give to us. So if we gave people free buses, it's not free. It's just free to them. So somebody else will pay. Who else will pay? So um, if government would pay, that would be brilliant. Um, Could you put a case yeah, well, government. we're always putting cases, and we've got lots of cases to them about lots of things. We've, of course, we've got yeah, the big the, business case with Treasury the cent- at the moment. Central government the is insisting that people use public transport and or bicycles. Yeah, yes. uh, which is great. Yeah, but maybe they should put the money where yeah, the mouth is. Yes, but we certainly can't offer to provide free transport when we don't have um, any secured income to be able to then pay for it. Um, but like I say, nothing's free. It's just it's it might be free to the person hopping on the bus, and that would be lovely for that person hopping the bus. And in an ideal world, every bit of public transport would be free in my books. But the reality is, there's a cost. It's a big cost, and we do have to find the money somewhere. So we've got to make sure, like every household, you actually have to have money secured, whether it's through a wage or a benefit or whatever, um, before you start spending it. So, okay, fair yep. enough. Yep, so we have, we have to find the money. If, if government want to give us the money to put on free uh, transport, I would definitely not say no and decline it. I would, mm. I, it. I would assume that the state government coughs up some, some in for Adelaide and also Melbourne. Mm. Um, but, but there's also mm. a free one that operates in mm. Seattle. Yes. Um, but they certainly can't provide the service and then go ask for money from the government. You have to have all that lined up. Yeah. Yeah. I quite agree. Yeah. But it works very well there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it saves a hell yeah. of a lot of congestion in the in the CBD. Yeah. And there's, um, uh, you know, there's tr- a trial happening up in Auckland and we've uh, written to the Minister of Transport, Michael Wood, and asked him if we could be the next <laughs> to um, any kind of trials for um, free uh, areas of free public transport, we would love to be the next. So, you know, we're certainly asking the question. Well, it certainly speeds up uh, traffic through the CBD. Would be a very not, big incentive. Yeah. yeah. But it, it it also speeds up the bus services or in Adelaide and um, Melbourne's case, the tram service, because there's no ticket issue. Mm. Um in Melbourne, they use a thing like a snapper card, which you still have to use even though it's free. Yeah, yeah. But it's certainly far quicker than, it, than feeding out yes, tickets. Yes, yes, I can certainly appreciate that, you know, set for myself. 
when um, I'm getting on the bus? I had a letter some little while ago from regional council asking about waterways uh, on on our property, and it went to four hundred of them roughly. Went went to Ryman's the same. What was the rationale for that? I'm not familiar with the letter. Ah, right. Well, they wanted to know what what the waterways were and what sort of I think fishes or some something in them to get some idea of, of but it went to all the residents in Mike and I. Now to send out four hundred letters for the same address seemed to me uh, I'm not aware of that at all, I'm sorry. Maybe well, you could I, ask. Well, do you want to, it's do you, gotta be a cost. Yeah, do you want to show me the letter perhaps or no, send me a copy? I, I replied to it and threw it in the bin. Oh. What did you reply? I carefully pointed out that there is absolutely no waterways and there's um, roughly 400 residents at the same address. Hmm, I wonder, uh, I mean, I don't know where it's come from. It was, it was doing a survey of, of waterways, but it's as dry as a bone. Hmm. Which waterway do you think it was talking about? Any waterways. Because Regional Council doesn't look after any waterways around there. We look after the Waikanae River. Yeah, streams. No, um, we have a contract with uh, a contract. An MOU was signed about 20, 21 years ago between Greater Wellington Regional Council and KCDC. And there's only a handful of waterway, actual waterways that Regional Council looks after in the Kapiti Coast. So, for example, the, the two biggies are the Otaki River and the Waikanae River. And then the Waitahu Stream, the Mangoni Stream. Um, but then, for example, the Waitahu Stream, we only look after it to a point mm. in the catchment. And uh, the upper reaches of the catchment, it actually is um, KCDC. It came out, definitely came out on a Greater Wellington mm. letterhead. Yeah. However, all right, Penny, we've run out of time. Oh, Thank well, you for coming in. Really appreciate your time. You're a busy lady. Oh, no. Happy, happy, happy ladies. Was my dad always said, busy person's a happy person. That's <laughs> true. Be your dad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this has been another session of a political point of view with Graham Priest, today's guest Penny Gaylor, Crater Wellington Councillor. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Political Point of View on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. In this programme, we've talked with politicians of all types, of all sorts, from local government through to central government and including aspiring candidates. This programme is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.